Dave from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren. What's hey, going on? Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh, know. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> have we officially run out of witty opening banter and things to say? I feel like this- yeah. After, after... On uh, we're on episode two hundred three right now. Do we have anything else left to say to each other? I don't know. Our lives aren't that interesting. I mean, no. before we start recording, you were telling me about repairing your refrigerator. Yeah, actually, it's worse. I I asked you about repairing your refrigerator because last <laughs> week before the show, you told me about the troubles you were having with your refrigerator. And so, like when we started talking, I was like, "Oh, hey, what what happened with your refrigerator? Give me an update on that." Yeah. That's where our <laughs> level of conversation is at now. Yeah, I really left you in a cliffhanger there. I, you, you were... <laughs> I was just like, I, I hope none of Darren's food is spoiled. I mean, oh my god, what's going to happen to the yogurt? They just they just went grocery shopping when when they had yeah. those troubles. Did you have to throw out a lot of food? We didn't we didn't get to that. <laughs> uh, I, I actually did. Throw, I had to throw out like a few things, but not. Not too much, because, you know, uh, I make all the buku bucks from podcasting here. You know, I, I can afford to toss a uh, toss a, a few uh, mochi ice creams and uh, some yogurt out, you know, because I'm, I'm, li- I'm living. Yeah, I'm living high. I got yogurt money. Yeah, I'm living high in the Wait, hog. You're, you're, you're getting money from this podcast, though? Hmm? I'm sorry? Um, okay, we're, we're, <sighs> we're going to talk about that a little off air. Um, Frank, that's, Frank, I'm sorry. Frank, I'm sorry. I know you told me not to tell him anything. That that's wow. My fault. Okay, now wow. it comes out four years later. Oh boy, it, now it comes out. All right. Oh well, this is awkward. This is this, yeah. this is exactly how NWA broke up. Yep. Yep. Isn't yep. <clears throat> oh. So yeah, speaking of doing weird things for money, um, <laughs> this this week we're we're covering the movie Fletch, the 1985 movie with uh, uh, Chevy Chase. Uh, and, uh, we thought it would be a good one to do this because there's going to be a new Fletch movie that's about to come out on on September 16th. Confess Fletch, which is adapting the second novel in the series, is coming out, starring Mr. John Hamm from Mad Men. Yes, handsome John Hamm, big John Hamm. John Ham, and you know, watch the trailer a few times. Looks pretty good. Looking forward to that. And so yeah, decided, it might be a good time to go back and revisit the OG Fletch movie. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Fletch. Came out May thirty first, nineteen eighty five. Uh, d- written by Andrew Bergman, the man right. who uh, wrote such things as uh, Blazing Saddles and Oh God, You Devil. And uh, apparently, he wrote and directed a few some some. Classic films like uh, Honeymoon didn't in Vegas. Movie, yeah, didn't he do the movie The Freshman with uh, Marlon Brando and uh, Matthew Broderick? I think that's one he, of his, right? He did do that. Yes, he also wrote and directed uh, Strip Tease with Demi Moore and um, oh. Hon- Honeymoon in Vegas Ooh, with Nick Cage okay. and uh, SJP. And uh, this film was, and this film was directed by all by uh, Michael Ritchie, who you might know as the man who gave us uh, the Bad News Bears and Wildcats, and of course. Uh, our favorite Jamaican bobsled team film, Cool Runnings, and uh, mm, yeah, yeah, diverse filmography there. Yeah, and as far as uh, SNL connections, he directed The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy, and uh, The Couch Trip with uh, Dan Aykroyd. 
Oh, well, look at that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so this, uh, uh, this also based on a novel by Gregory McDonald. There's actually a series of Fletch books. Um, there are 11 in all, I believe. Um, and I actually got a little curious about what the novel Fletch was like. So I borrowed, uh, I ended up borrowing the first three books from my library. They're pretty quick reads. And uh, I, I enjoyed them. It was interesting to get a feel for what Fletch was like as a literary character. The first novel was uh, uh, written in 1974. And then he followed up uh, every couple years after that. And then he wrote them like well into the 80s. I think in the last couple he wrote in the early 90s. So, hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember actually reading a few of these books just because I had like a phase where I was just really into like mystery novels and, you know, uh -huh. de detective sleuth stuff. And I had mm -hmm. heard about uh, Fletch. I knew there was like a whole sort of fandom around it. So I was like, yeah. well, let me, let, me, let me see if I can get into this Fletch. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like I think... I, think I didn't realize you'd read them as well. Okay. I, right. I mean, it was well, years cool. ago. Like, I would yeah. say maybe, oh, maybe high school or something. Like, it was, oh, okay. a, it was, yeah, I haven't read Fletch recently, but I remember reading it and really, really liking it, really enjoying it. Like, I like the, like the fact that he's actually a, a reporter for the LA Times yeah. always kind of, like, I thought it was an interesting take because the way he sort of acts and, all these mysteries he he feels like he's like a private eye like a detective but he's like totally yeah not. Well, i mean he's an investigative reporter so there there's a bit of crossover there and he knows how to he knows how to like poke around and find out information and i mean that's that's the thing in the books especially is he knows how to kind of get people to uh tell him information but they don't really know or they don't really realize he's poking for information uh, towards the end of the first book, one of the characters says to him, he was like, I had no idea I was being investigated this last week. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's just like really, really good at his job. And it's interesting in the books. I mean, he does he does a little legwork and he 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 goes in person to a few places. But a lot of the stuff he just does over the phone and he'll just mm. like call up somebody and be like, hey, I'm from this insurance company. I'm just getting this little information. And of course, it's a lot easier to pull off these scams over the phone. Of course, that works a lot better in a novel than it does in a movie. In a movie, you want to see people, you know, run around and go places. So it kind of evolved into Chevy Chase putting on disguises and pretending to be people, which doesn't really make as much sense. But it's but it's funnier. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely funnier. But yeah, that does make sense now that you mentioned it, where like a lot of the stuff he was doing, I was like, well, it wouldn't make more sense just do this over the phone whereas like if you get caught you can always just hang up and and leave and whatnot but uh yeah. but yeah like cinematically like i don't know if a movie full of nothing but phone calls is enough to really capture the audience yeah yeah i mean like at one point in this movie he flies off to utah actually a couple points in this movie he flies off to utah and both times I'm just like, do you really need to fly to Utah? Um, I don't think you do. <laughs> this could easily have been a phone call. And I don't know why you're paying for this. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, yeah, that part really threw me where he, he just tell he just told his editor, you know, like who seemed, I guess, like if he was a private eye, he would have been like the chief of police, but it was an editor. And he'd be like, yeah, like the story's out in Utah. I got to go to Provo. And <laughs> I guess, you know, back then, 
uh, newspapers had the the Bucks just to fly out a reporter to Provo, Utah, just like that on a yeah. And then he, he just goes story. and he, he has a conversation with a couple on their front porch, and it's like, yeah, this this easily could have been a phone call. <laughs> there could was been, nothing yeah. about this required you being here, but except you know JVT is doing some shtick. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, the author Gregory McDonald he had. Uh, casting approval apparently so he he did approve the choice of chevy chase uh to play his character much and there there were some other interesting candidates that were discussed at some point some people i can see as the character from the book and others not so much (laughs) got it um okay you know like they they talked about uh let's see jeff bridges richard dreyfus uh charles groden said he considered uh, apparently the studio wanted uh discuss Mick Jagger at one point. What? Which yeah. That you is know, I, that that is out of left field. Yeah. That is that is insane. Uh let me see. Uh uh McDonald he vetoed Mick Jagger. He also vetoed Burt Reynolds. Um Um yeah I could see he, that. He, yeah Burt Reynolds yeah he had never seen Chevy Chase perform. Um Let's see. Uh, Barry Bostwick was considered. Uh, George Siegel Ooh. turned it down. Uh, and it says, I think this is the producer. Uh, it says Burroughs wanted Richard Dreyfus, which that's an interesting choice. I could um, see that. I could see that. I could definitely see that more than Mick Jagger. Like, uh, like you know, like, uh, Mick Jagger. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I think. Um, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, I mean, he's a little bit older, but like at the, in his younger days, he had that sort of, sort of, he was like a little bit charming and he, he could also be snide and, you know, yeah. snarky no, at I, times. I, like I, if you ever saw like the Richard, Goodbye Girl, like he, he could be, you know. Oh, yeah, he won an Oscar for the Goodbye Girl. And, you know, he, he could do that sort of fast talking sort of thing. I mean, if you were going in a more serious direction, I think Richard Dreyfuss would be a great way to go. And actually, I mean, when I was reading the books, and I, I ended up reading the first three books over the course of about a week, they're like really quick reads. I was able to polish each one off in a, about a day. Um, I was I was kind of picturing um, Jason Sudeikis would actually be a pretty good Fletch, I think. Mm. I think he would be in his wheelhouse. And Sudeikis was one of the people who was considered in the last few years when they've been trying to get the Fletch uh, franchise going again. Um, it's like... It's interesting how it's bounced around in the years because they they did this movie in 1985. They did they did a sequel, Fletch Lives, in 1989, which isn't based on anything from the books. I understand it's just oh. an original story, and Yikes. I don't think that did so hot because they didn't do any more Fletch movies after that. Um, yeah, like I uh, yeah, like as you said, like because I mean the first Fletch movie actually did quite well. It had like a budget of. Let me see. Like a budget of eight mil, and it made about fifty nine mil. So it it made money. So like the fact that they just shelved the whole thing after one bad film was interesting. You would think that yeah. even after maybe a year or so, they would have like you know retooled it, uh, used one of the books as a basis yeah. for a screenplay, and then just made another one. It, well, it just seems foolish when you have like you know ten more books to use for material that you just throw all that out and you just try to do an original story. That just seems a foolish way to do it. And even if you're going to do a loose adaptation, and I would say the, the first movie is kind of a loose adaptation of the first book. 
Right. Um, but yeah, it's, there's been an interesting list of people who've tried to do it. Like Kevin Smith is apparently a big Fletch fan, and he was at first thinking about doing a sequel with Chevy Chase. I think this was right. sometime in the 2000s. And then, like, then, like, apparently he and Chevy Chase didn't get along. Shocker. What? Um, <laughs> and and then Kevin Smith was talking about doing it with Jason Lee, but the studio was like, Jason Lee has no box office potential. Mm. And then they were concerned about Ben Affleck. Um, it says Smith was concerning another list of actors, including Affleck, Brad Pitt, and Jimmy Fallon. I can't see Jimmy Fallon doing Flash. Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Uh, uh, they no. discussed Zach Braff for the role. And and then uh, Bill Lawrence, who's the creator of Scrubs, was trying to do it for a while. And he was considering doing it with Zach Braff. Um, maybe, but uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, then, like... It, a guy named David List, who represents the McDonald estate, stepped in with his own draft, which proved attractive enough to engage Jason Sudeikis in the title role. Um, and then it looks like the studio went bankrupt. And so now they've, they finally made it with Greg Matola uh, and John Hamm in the lead. And Greg Matola, uh, he's the guy who directed Superbad and Adventureland. And uh, some other movies. I haven't seen any of his movies in a while, but I'm looking forward to uh, to to seeing the revival of Fletch. I think that'll be interesting to see and take another shot at it. Yeah, like it, I mean, again, it still surprised me that it took uh, this long to for another Fletch movie to come out. It's, I mean, it's almost like uh, like all the all the trials and tribulation it took to make a a new Superman movie come out. It's it's almost like that same type of trajectory where there's just so many starts and stops, and uh, like you said, I remember uh, Kevin Smith mentioning years ago, like I guess in her early aughts, like how he's a big Fletch fan and he really wanted to get Fletch going, but I, I guess that just sort of fell fell by the wayside and didn't didn't pan out. But yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, it is just, it is interesting how something like that, where people know there's a an, a hunger, people do enjoy Fletch books, and there is a fan base for it, but for some reason it just hasn't come together uh up until yeah. now so like uh, i don't know hopefully we'll we'll see how it happens and see how, how it yeah flies. i mean i can kind of see it uh, you know why it's fallen by the wayside a bit the last few years because uh um gregory mcdonald's unfortunately passed away and so you know there aren't doing any more fletch books so it's probably fallen a little by the wayside the last 20 years like it, there's i would say there's a generation of people who probably don't really remember fletch either as a book or as a movie. Um, mm. But but it is still a bit of a cult movie. Um, so, yeah. So so it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they can make more of a go of it this time. Um, it's interesting as a vehicle for Chevy Chase. This is apparently one of Chevy Chase's fa- favorite roles that he's ever done. So, Okay. And, you know, I, I think it's a pretty decent fit for him. He's They, they could have done worse. <laughs> Let me say that. Yeah. Like the book Fletch is a little more hard boiled and cynical than Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is, of course, playing it like lighter and more sarcastic. I mean, right. book Fletch is sarcastic, but, you know, it's got more of a bite to it. Um, you know, when I was reading the first book, I was like, I don't know if I like Fletch very much. He's kind of an ass. And then I liked him a little more by the second book. Um, okay. 
But but it, the story's got a really good hook. It starts out um, Fletch. He's an investigative reporter. He's and he's hanging out on the beach. He's working on this story about drug dealing on the beach. And so he's just been hanging out on the beach, uh, pretending that he's an addict and like buying drugs off the dealer there. And he's trying to get to the bottom of how this guy's getting his supplies. And then he's approached by this rich guy, uh, Alan Stanwyck, who's played by uh, Tim Matheson. And right, Otter. Yeah, and he's like, I, I have an offer for you. Uh, we can't discuss it here, um, but I will give you $1,000 just for listening. So he, so Fletch is intrigued. He goes with this guy. They end up going to this guy's mansion. And then Stanwyck says, I want to hire you to kill me in like a week's time. I've I've got this terminal form of bone cancer. I don't want to suffer through that. I can't commit suicide because then um, my family wouldn't get my insurance payoff. So I need to be murdered and I want you to murder me. And right. Like, and he goes on to say that. like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think he goes on to say that, yeah, like you just cut, I have it all planned out. You come in, you take this revolver out of uh, the top drawer of my desk. You shoot me. Yeah. Uh, my safe will be open. There's 50000 in it. Take that. Go to the airport. There's a ticket in your name to go to Rio, and you just go there until uh, until the heat dies down and yeah. lay low. Yeah. So what I mean they, it, they did get rid of a thing in the book where, like, originally uh, Stanwyck offers him $25,000 for it, and then Fletch talks him up to 50,000 because he wants to gauge how serious the guy is. Uh-huh. And in the movie, he it's just flat out $50,000 offer. And I was just like, Oh, why'd they get rid of that? That's, that would have been cool. Um, but you know, may, maybe $25,000 wasn't as impressive by the time they made the movie. They're making the movie about <laughs> 10 years after the book. So yeah, that makes um, sense. But so this of course intrigues Fletch. So he decides to start investigating the guy on his own time, even though, his editor is on his case about the drug story. And as you might expect, uh, the two stories kind of converge over the yeah. course of the movie. Absolutely. So. And, uh, yeah. And actually, we should also mention, uh, so one of the people who he uh, sort of befriends, one of the drug dealers, mm-hmm. at um, is a, a man named uh, Fat Sam, played by the great yep. George Went. George Went. Totally forgotten that George Went was in this movie by the way george went jason stake is his uncle um mm-hmm. so that's kind of another sort of snl connection there but and yeah because this movie is like 85 so george went would have been doing cheers it's neat seeing him in kind of a bit part you know he has maybe like three scenes in the movie i think um yeah yeah but, absolutely but, it, but it's very cool seeing uh george went do a character role like that uh you know it's just like man i i wish george went had gotten to do more of that stuff in his career um yeah, same. I don't know if he really needs to, he's got all the Cheers money. I, I hope he's still taken care of from that. Um, but yes, hope he's well compensated. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I just hope George Wynn is living his best life, basically. And uh, yeah, another person, a uh, famous person who I forgot was in this, um, the person who uh, I believe Larry, who's played by Gina Davis, who is uh, sort of Fletch's uh, right hand man over at the the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, she's just like she's just kind of his sidekick, and she's like the the sun rises and sets <laughs> behind Fletch. Um, 
which which is really interesting. There wasn't really an, an equivalent character in the book. Like in the in the first book, he he has an editor who he hates because his editor is sleeping with a managing editor, and Fletch is like, "Oh, you're incompetent at your job," and it's and it's really rather. <laughs> it hasn't aged that great. It's kind of misogynistic. It's it was oh like, well, this probably flew a bit more in 1974. Um, like I said, book Fletch can be kind of an asshole at times. Um, oh boy, movie Fletch also. He's got an ex-wife that he's not paying alimony to. Book Fletch has two ex-wives that he's not paying alimony to. Oh and damn, much more money. Um, <laughs> he is dodging like thousands of dollars in alimony. From both wow. of these, um, so Fletch in the book is a deadbeat, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh boy! He also, uh, yeah, book Fletch has he's had some military service. He he won the Bronze Star. We don't know what for, but we know that he never picked up his Bronze Star, and he doesn't he doesn't seem to want to. Like a couple of people are like, "Hey, you should go pick up that Bronze Star," and he's like. Nah, I'm not going to do that. And we never really get the full story behind that, or at least we don't in the first few books, and we don't know what's going on there. But it's, it's yeah, it's an intriguing little mystery uh, in his past. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, Fletch, yeah, so he's he's investigating this story. He's investigating the Stanwick story. He's also trying to get to the bottom of the drug story. Um, Jodon Baker plays the chief of police, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, Joe Don Baker was in this, but Joe Don Baker was in a lot of stuff in the seventies and eighties. He's just like character actor you've seen all over the place. I mean, if if you're a mystery science theater fan, he's Mitchell. Um, of course, he's also he's in the James Bond film, The Living Daylights, and Goldeneye as different characters. Uh, he's in he was in uh, he, he's in uh, the remake of Cape Fear. He's the private detective in that. Um, so yeah. Good character actor, Joe Don Baker. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I thought he was good. He plays the um, corrupt uh, police chief, and I thought the scenes with him and uh, Chevy Chase I thought were really were really strong as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see uh, Chevy Chase. He gets arrested and taken to the chief's office at one point, and uh, yeah, there's there's also you know there's a lot of Chevy Chase like putting on disguises, doing various characters. He goes. He goes undercover at a doctor's office to try and find out about Alan Stanwyck's insurance and health information. So he's like rifling through the files and he kind of goes, he, he gets a physical from Alan's doctor and yes. then he goes undercover with the doctor at the hospital to try and pull Alan's files. Um, yeah, he, he gets a finger out the butt. He, yeah, he gets, he gets uh, checked for, for stuff and then he, he ends up subbing in an autopsy because apparently you just call in some random doctor in the hall to help you out with an autopsy. <laughs> hey, you, come here. Yeah, you're in scrubs. Therefore, you're qualified to help me in this autopsy. Um, <laughs> it's not Halloween, so get in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, he, 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 he he's in disguises a lot. There's even a dream sequence where he imagines himself as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, that, what was that uh, about? That was a little weird. That's so random. It's so random. I mean, I'm just. I, I, look, I'm just. I'm just glad that Chevy Chase isn't, wasn't in blackface. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, we, just we dodged that bullet. <laughs> it was very close. You could tell it was very. They I'm canned sure. him up. 
they tanned him up. You can tell that, but it doesn't really go to the point of blackface. He's yeah, in a I think, fake though. Yeah, um, I think like somebody in production had the foresight to be like, you know what? Let's not go full blackface just in case it doesn't play off quite right. Just in case it's not 1985 for the rest yeah. of time. Yeah. Let's not do blackface. Let's hedge <laughs> our bets here. Yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, know, that dream... Se- yeah, 1985 is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, very much. But yeah, that dream sequence really came out of nowhere. It's just, like, I don't know, part of me kind of thinks that, like, I don't know, part of me thinks, like, maybe somebody, maybe, like, one of the producers was like, all right, this... Because the film is, there is a lot of talking and a lot of yeah. detective work. And it's um, yeah. a lot of Chevy Chase being like, like a lot of very dry humor, almost, almost Kevin Nealon esque, some might say. So yeah, like, yeah. part of me might think this is their way of putting in some comedy into it, some levity, because it did feel a little shoehorned, where he just had the dream yeah. sequence that he plays for the Lakers, and Kareem Abdul Jabbar is talking him up. And it's just right. like, well, what is this? And, and it's the real Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who does a cameo, and then he like falls asleep in front of the Laker game, and he imagines himself as. That's right. Well, he's not really Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he's sort of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's him with an afro, and they say like, you know, he's six foot five with afro, six nine. You know, ha, ha, ha. he grew up in Harlem. Um, <laughs> apparently, there were a couple other dream sequences, though. There was a thing where he he imagines that he's playing for the Dodgers. And Tommy Lasorda had a cameo, and there was a thing where he was a hockey player. And I don't know if that was a dream sequence. I'm assuming it was, but they, they cut those out of the film. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just like, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I mean, they're interesting, but it just seems like stuff that just put in there just for, uh, you know, shits and giggles. Like, it doesn't really add yeah. anything to the, to the plot or the story at all. It's just more like, hey, here's. His Chevy Chase dresses in an afro. That's hilarious, right? You know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I kind of felt like there were a few points where they just kind of put in things just to sort of, you know, maybe pick up the pace a little bit or make it more of a standard action mystery. Oh yeah. Type I mean, of film. there's. I mean, the car chase. car chase in the middle of the film that just really comes out of nowhere. Like the cops are after Fletch for. Vague reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, why did they chase him? I don't like. He, I know he went back home, and then he like looked in the like in the basement of his apartment, and he saw cop right. cars, and he got freaked out, and he ran off, and then the cops just chased him. So I was like, "Yeah, wait, what was going? What were they doing there? Were they about to?" I don't know. Him? I'm I'm still not clear on that. Was that was that after he talked to the chief? I'm. It's it's yes. getting a little. I watched this like a couple days ago, so it's a little vague in my memory now but uh, but yeah okay, it was so I, yeah it sent those guys after him um, i guess so yeah is on to me i'd better have what were the cops were the cops trying to arrest him were they trying to murder him i don't know but there's this huge car chase that comes out of nowhere fletch he like parks his car and he goes up to this young guy in a car and he like bullshits his way into driving his car because he's like oh we have to check your exhaust and then they get on the highway and there's this big chase and and then fletch uh he ends up dumping the car and he goes to like this awards banquet for veterans or something um yeah and it's of a guy named fred dorfman and the character fred dorfman comes from animal house because it's the older brother of kent 
Dorfman, Flounder. Oh, nice. And that's why they have to accept uh, Flounder because he's a legacy, you know. So, you know, he's automatically in unless the legacy in question is a major closet case like Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm quoting from the movie. Got it. Doing any- but it, it's funny on the the DVD I borrowed from my library. Uh, there's an interview with uh, a Tim Matheson and they point that out to him. And he was like, oh, wow. I don't think I even knew that at the time. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so- I mean, because Tim Mathis is not in those scenes, so why would he remember that? And he probably hasn't seen the movie in a couple dozen years. But yeah, he, has, he he's not in the movie a, a ton of a ton actually. No, he doesn't. I I remembered more Tim Matheson in this movie, but it, he's really just at the beginning and the end, and then it's just a lot of Fletch investigating Tim Matheson's character. Yeah, um, and then we see that little bit of him where Fletch follows him, and he finds out that him and the um police chief are in cahoots yeah yeah which is which is different from the book it's the the book ends very differently from the movie i would say um the the two those two plot strands they kind of converge but they converge in a different way i mean i can i can go into it if you want to go into (laughs) spoilers for a 1974 uh novel um but Okay, but we can just leave it. Uh, your call. No, go for it. Let's do it. Okay. Well, so so in the movie, yeah, Fletch discovers that the police chief and Alan Stanwyck are in cahoots for some reason with the drugs. I don't know why they're in cahoots together. It's not they don't really get into that. And Stanwyck is he, the reason he picked Fletch at the beach is because um, he's planning to actually murder Fletch. He's, he's going to trick Fletch into breaking into his house and then he's going to murder him and uh, then he, he's going to uh, put Fletch in his car and then burn his corpse and you know, and because they have similar blown structure. So, and then he's going right. to put like his class ring and his gold lighter on him and everyone will think that it's Alan Stanwyck and then Alan Stanwyck can skip the country. So I guess, I guess he's skipping the country with all his drug money. Right, um, and his... Um... And his uh, his wife, who he was secretly yes. married to in uh, in Provo, he yeah he's and and that's a little similar to the book. Like in the book, we find out that he he's not married to someone else, but he has his old high school girlfriend that he's planning to run away with, um, and. And he's he's planning to like do that under an assumed identity, um, and then this all comes out like on the night that Fletch is supposed to murder him at his at his mansion, and then he's he's shot by the police chief um, because the police chief thinks that Alan Stanwyck is Fletch because Fletch, uh, Stanwyck has already like dyed his hair to to uh, look like Fletch. He's going to go off on the uh, on the the plane trip under under Fletch's name, so so that's right. a little different. They aren't in cahoots, but they, the, like I said, the plot threads do kind of converge. The book has a better plot. I mean, it definitely <laughs> makes more. sense. I mean, it's a more complicated plot, so I kind of see why they simplified it a bit. But yeah, the the book is absolutely better. Um, and and it also has a very clever ending because Fletch, in the book, he kind of gets away. In, in the book, like all this stuff is kind of converging at once. He's 
He has to make a court appearance for his non-payment of alimony for his first ex-wife. At the same time, he has to make a court appearance for non-payment alimony for his second ex-wife. He uh, <laughs> he's also supposed to pick up his his bronze star at the same time, um, and he's uh, he's and and Fletch very cleverly he he does all this stuff and he basically skips the country um, for all this stuff. So he dodges the bullet. He also gets one of his ex-wives' lawyers in trouble because he makes it look like his lawyer aided and abetted a fugitive. Um, Good lord. <laughs> And he also gets away with $3 million of Stanwick's money. Um, so, he's yeah. A slippery yeah, character. But, yeah, he's a slip. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's, like I said, it's very clever how all the plot threads come together. And, but you're also just kind of like, oh, yeah, Fletch is kind of a dick. Um, yeah, yeah, he is. He, he does sleep with Alan Stanwick's wife in both of in both the book and the movie. And that is partly how he figures it out because his wife, uh, Stanwyck's wife comments like, Oh yeah, you have a very similar bone structure to my husband. And, you know, she's like, I guess I have a type. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how he figures it out. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a clever planting of clues. Um, yeah. So I don't <laughs> yeah. Know, did you like the movie? Did it work for you? Um, I, did I did like the movie, but I I will admit, like, um, hmm, how can I say this? Depending on how much you like Chevy Chase, well, I I think will, yeah, you know, will, will vary whether whether how much you like this movie. I'll say because yes, um, I think that's a good way to put it. I, yeah, this this movie kind of tests the upper limits of how much Chevy Chase you can take. Yeah, um, because like I mean, he's in every scene. Um, yeah. He doesn't really have anybody else to bounce off to. Well, because while everybody else does a fine job in the film, it's yeah. pretty much the Chevy Chase show. Like he has all the best lines, and he has yeah. like the best kind of the most energy, and like everybody else. I don't want to say he's just there to for him to bounce lines off of, but it, sometimes it kind of no, feels I, like I that. Think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, I, I totally see why this is one of Chevy Chase's favorite movies that he's done. Because yeah, he is like. You know, it's his dream role because he's like the coolest, funniest, wittiest guy in every single scene. And yeah, that's exactly. Like he's there's no second banana for him to sort of, you know, riff yeah. with or anything. It's literally just him riffing and and showing up in disguises and saying all yeah. these quips and whatnot. So like, yeah. if if that's your bag, I you'll like Fletch. I you know I do like his you know yeah. sort of uh, casual you know uh, play by his own rules type of vibe like that uh i don't know like 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 most detectives have that that always intrigues yeah. me but yeah but for the most part it's it's like it, it is the chevy chase show like i said like he yeah it's and pretty much his his ball game yeah and for me like a little chevy goes a long long way because he does he does fall into like his his regular shticks like even in the imdb trivia page it says like at one point he tells a beef dri uh, a beach drifter in one scene he feels like a hundred dollars. Apparently, he also used that line in Caddyshack. Oh, so it's just oh, so Chevy just has his regular shtick that he does from movie to movie that he just <laughs> carries with him. You know, and he he has another bit where he like he he checks his watch, but he doesn't have a watch on the wrist. You know, like ha ha ha. Right, right. Oh, yes, Chevy. I have seen that. And he does uh, that yeah. in another of his movies too. Okay. You know? Yeah, I don't know. 
with Chevy Chase, I always get the feeling like he thinks like, oh, I'm so funny. I'm so, I'm killing this. I am so witty. I'm so cool. I'm so, and, and that gets a little hard to take after a while, you know? Yeah. A little bit. It's, it's a, it's a lot yeah. of, yeah, I'm the coolest dude in the room. And, but everybody else in the room is like, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> he's well, fine. I feel like everybody else in life is like, yeah, he's all right. And like too many people in this movie are like, oh yeah, you're the coolest guy in the room. <laughs> I don't know. So I cool, never get the, he's, he's never quite as cool and as funny as he seems to think he is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like Bill, Bill Murray, you get that sort of quality from him too. But Bill Murray generally is the coolest and the funniest guy in the room. Chevy Chase just kind of thinks he is. And yeah. he's like 75% there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Medium talent. Medium talent. Medium talent. Oh, the God. best, most accurate insult of anyone ever. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's it's poetry. It's, it's, two words, it's two words and it's poetry. Also, this movie, it's got like one of the most 1980s film scores ever. Yeah, let's talk like, about the music if, in this thing. Okay, if you like hearing this... Just imagine that played over and over and over for like an hour and a half or however long this movie is. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, yeah. we've said it before, uh, especially movies in the 80s, they all had to have their own theme song. Like uh, right. this one has the song uh, Bit by Bit by Stephanie Mills that they play in the yeah. beginning at the end. And then they, they always have the uh, the synthesizer uh, Fletch theme throughout the entire movie, yeah. which part of me thinks, and they just play it ad infinitum. That's like the entire score. It's like five minutes what? of score just repeated over and over and over. Dude, I swear, like the producers of this film was like, "Oh, we want our own Axel Foley synthesizer yeah. song to pay throughout our movie." Like they wanted something like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was made by the same guy. What is what is it with the 1980s too, where it's like, like keyboards went extinct in like 1979 and then they didn't come back until like 1990 or so so it's like it was all synthesizers with just like all other instruments went away and it's it's such a weird thing that just immediately places your movie score in the 1980s it just it dates it so hard it's it's it really does yeah i don't know it's just the 80s was the golden age of the synthesizer. And uh, I would say synthesizers and saxophones. I remember there being like a lot of saxophone yeah. solos in 80s songs, which I always, you know, I, I still believe, of course. Which sure, I always sure. Love. I mean, you, you, a little saxophone can go a long way, too. It's like the Chevy Chase of instruments. Um, <laughs> you know, sa- saxophones, uh, saxophones are fine. I, I enjoy a little saxophone. Too much, it you. starts to sound a little corny. You know, uh, so, uh, I'm just, oh, why? you know, yeah. and you know, not, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. That's fine. And it's in its place and time, but you know, you, you don't necessarily want every single soundtrack to sound porny. Yeah. As, John, I'm looking this up right now. So the person who made that, uh, Fletch theme song, the Didi Didi Didi. Yeah, that was uh, Harold Faltermeyer, and he right. is in fact the same man that did the Axel Foley theme song for Beverly Hills Cop. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, 
Well, we're getting to the bottom of this. Wow. He also, he also <laughs> composed the uh, the Top Gun anthem for Top Gun. I don't remember the Top Gun anthem. It's, Me neither. I just remember uh, Kenny Loggins. But, yeah. But... No. I mean, all all I remember from that movie is uh, Highway to the Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. Those are those yeah. are like the only two songs in that movie. That yeah. That and uh, Charlotte's Dudes playing volleyball. That's all I remember. Exactly. You just like oiled up sweaty guys. Did you see the new Top Gun? I didn't. I did not, but I hear very good things about it. People are just rhapsodic about that movie. <laughs> just like, oh my god! I don't know if it's just like they're really starved for seeing movies in the theater or something. And I'm just like, really? I don't know. It just didn't look interesting to me. But I'm I, Tom Cruise is a hell for me. So yeah, no, I'm the same way. Like, uh, I mean, I I saw the first Top Gun years ago. I thought it was all right. Uh, yeah. But no, people are saying. From what I've heard, people I know whose opinion I I respect, they're saying, yeah, no, the second one is really good. It might even be better than the first. And like, okay. I know, th- and I know this second one has actually made a ton of money. It actually did really well at the box office, but I haven't mm. seen it. Okay, okay, but you know, maybe um, I'll check it out. Did you did you have like a favorite character or disguise that Fletch did in the movie? Because he does, mm. he goes through a. He goes through like a lot of different characters. Most of them have like horribly obvious names. You know, it's just yeah. like, I mean, I know it's a comedy, but it's just like, hi, I'm Jonathan fake name. Um, yeah. I mean, it's ba- he, he identifies himself as Harry S. Truman at one point. He, he, uh, he calls himself yeah. Don Corleone in another scene. Mr. Uh, Babar. Mr. Babar, like the elephant. When yeah, I was going to actually ask you that. Is that, was that, yeah, was that part of the books no. too? No, I mean the fake names aren't nearly as obvious in the books. in In one scene, in one scene where he goes to the country club to interview uh, Stanwick's wife and his father in law, he does he does use a fake name and he kind of keeps switching it slightly to so it doesn't stick in their memory, which is kind of clever. Mm. Um, like at one point they get it wrong, which kind of confirms to him that he's not being too memorable because he doesn't want to be too memorable. Right. Um, so, so I mean, yeah, it, it's a cleverer bit in the book, and then and in the movie, it's just kind of being, it's just Chevy Chase's shtick. Uh, yeah, I, I think at one point, Ebert review it says uh, the the central performance is an anthology of Chevy Chase mannerisms in search of a character, and I think that puts it pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think at yeah. one point, like uh, when he's undercover as a doctor, one of the nurses yeah. asks him who he is, and he says, "Oh, I'm Doctor Rosenpenis," and she's like, "Yeah, what? he sees he sees a sign with all the doctors' names, and they're all like Rosen something, like you know Rosencrantz or Rosenstein or yeah." So he just says, "I'm Rosenpenis," and it's like, "Okay, I mean, come on, you have to come up with a fake name that's going to fool somebody for at least two seconds, right?" Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I think know. that's what I think Chevy was. Trying to make a joke first before actually making it, you know, like a believable thing he was trying yeah. to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you you cast Chevy Chase, he's going to Chevy Chase it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably Chevy found this Gun- a lot funnier when I was 12, you know? <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as all the, you know, disguises he put on and whatnot, I thought the one that was really interesting was... Uh, when he dressed up as like that roller skating, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, but he had, yeah, yeah, he's 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 got like a fake beard, a sort of bald head, and he's in 
like robes. Yeah, he he looks like a guru of some kind. Yeah, exactly. Like the yeah, like the love guru on on roller skates. But yeah, right. I thought that was a pretty cool uh pretty cool look. Yeah, that's I mean, that's probably the best actual disguise um mm. that he has cuz mo- you know, most of them it's like, "Oh, you're just Chevy chasing a hat." Um <laughs> <laughs> and, uh you know, he he does have he does have like a, you know, wig and false teeth when he's like this uh jet engine repairman. Oh, and Chevy yes. Chase apparently said that he used the fake teeth while in public and most people didn't recognize him, which I find very tough to believe cuz What? In the movie, he just looks like Chevy Chase with fake teeth. He doesn't yeah, that... he doesn't look anything not unlike Chevy Chase. I mean, yeah, I mean, do do they think it's like a uh, Clark Kent would when he puts on glasses like they can't tell he's Superman? I yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. I don't see how people can you not recognize him. I and mean, he's he's pretty tall and he's pretty yeah, recognizable. And he's a pretty distinctive looking guy. I mean, maybe it's just most people didn't want to talk to you, Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're just like, oh, that's Chevy Chase. Let's go to the other side of the street. <laughs> By the way, this movie continues that weird thing that I've noticed in Chevy Chase movies of like Chevy Chase sex god thing where like all the women uh, want to sleep with Chevy Chase. Yes, yes. I feel like writer in his contract, you know, at this point. Yes. If you look at his writer, he's it says in in bold print, I got I got to bone somebody in this thing. And and every woman in this movie must be desperate to sleep with me and act right. like I'm they're acting like he's freaking george clooney or brad pitt or something like like if women were reacting to john ham like this i would totally get it because john ham handsome handsome man um, but, handsome man but, yeah but chevy chase and he's just like well i mean you're, you're handsome for a comedian you know <laughs> absolutely you got the chin butt that's cool yeah yeah but it, like the the women are just falling all over themselves like gina davis finds him Horribly funny. The uh, Stanwick's wife, played by uh, Dana Wheeler Nicholson, uh, she finds him very charming. Yeah, and, like and that... he just he just has like these obvious come ons. Like she answers the door, she's like in a towel because she just got out of the shower, and he's like, "Oh, can I borrow your towel? Because I just hit a water buffalo with my car." It's like, yeah, would even in 1985 would a woman find that charming? I I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, because it's. Yeah, because like uh, it's like you said, there's this, there's these scenes where he goes to the country club to talk to uh, Stanwick's wife, and like yeah. she seems like charmed by him, but she, even she admits it because she, you know she's a wealthy woman and she's kind of bored, but she finds right. something about him very charming, even though he's he comes across I don't want to say creepy, but he's he's you know he's obviously hitting on a married woman, and like the second time yeah. they meet, he goes to her uh, cabana. And yeah, she's yeah. like in a towel and robe, and she doesn't seem too bothered that uh, to you know to appear in a robes and, and towels rather in front of a man she yeah. just met like once yesterday. Well, I mean, in in the behind the scenes material, like the actress she's talking about that she was like, well, you know, obviously, Alan and I don't have that great of a marriage, and that's why I'm like so charmed by him but i'm just like it's still kind of a stretch you know? a <laughs> little bit a little I bit i don't get it I, I don't i don't get the chevy chase sex god thing it just when i see it in in these movies i'm just like really really i don't see it but yeah okay I'm, 
I mean, it's National Lampoon's vacation all over again. Yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, Christy Brinkley, Dana Wheeler Nicholson, you've got options. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't have to settle for Chevy Chase. Like Donna Dixon in Spies Like Us, she was like all over him. And she's like married to Dan Aykroyd. So I don't, yeah, that- I don't get it. Do not understand. Like, uh, listeners, well, you know, female and male, if you can explain to us the sex appeal of a young uh, Chevy Chase, please do. T- text us. Yeah. Tweet us. Well, Chevy us Chase know. at any age, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. Let, know. Let's know what's up with that. Yeah. If you're married to Chevy Chase, call in. Let us know. Yes. Chevy Chase, wa- Chevy, Chase uh, Chevy Chase's wife, please call in. You know. Yeah. Let us current know. or ex. Yes. I I don't think he's been divorced. I don't know how many times he might have been married. I don't I yeah, I just assumed. I, I don't, I'm I, not don't even sure. I don't know. I know he's married. I know he has daughters. I I don't really care enough to Google it at this moment, but <laughs> Wow. Um Well, I mean, are you that curious? Uh no. no. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean, I'd had to open a whole other tab on the computer and you know, uh, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, enough with that. Oh, I- interesting thing that I discovered in the behind-the-scenes featurette on, on the DVD. Um, so at the end of the movie, uh, Fletch just uh, fucks off to Rio with uh, Stanwyck's wife because uh, Tim Matheson is shot. He is shot, right? Or is he arrested? I can't remember who uh, gets shot and who. Tim Matheson. Yeah, he gets shot by the uh, the uh, chief by, because by police, uh, by maker. Yeah, yeah, because at the end, like the police chief shows up at the place where uh, at their house. You know, at the at the time right. that Fletch was supposed to shoot Matheson's Alan Stanwyck, but then, like, right. of course, that's he finds out Alan Stanwyck was gonna kill him, burn his body, and make off with the money. But at that time. You know, Fletch kind of put it pieced everything together with his, you know, numerous trips to Utah and whatnot. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that at the time, that's when um, Alan's wife showed up as she found out all these things about like, oh, he actually has another wife in Utah, and oh, and also right. we didn't, I don't think we mentioned this that like um, she actually uh, turned like I, I think like she had like a bunch of stocks that she uh, went that she converted to cash to pay off for some land in Utah, but it turns out right. that was a lie, and, like, Alan's realtor, who she gave the money to, actually sold him to, gave him, like, a fake deed. So, actually, Alan yeah. was taking her money and was about to fuck off to Rio with his uh, second wife. Right. So, so Fletch fucks off to Rio with her, and they said in the behind-the-scenes featurette um, apparently they were, I, I guess, under budget on time and under budget enough that they actually convinced the studio to send them to Rio for just like this brief shot at the end of the movie. What? Where they're on a beach. Yeah. And I'm like, really? That was shot in Rio? <laughs> Seriously? Why? Why did you need to go to Rio? And and they were saying like, you know, we didn't really need to go to Rio, but we wanted to go to Rio. <laughs> <laughs> And they they fly, the, they convince the studio to send them to Rio, and then they say that for days they were there. It was like rainy and overcast in Rio, and you can see in the movie, it's not it's not what you imagine Rio to be. 
And it's just Chevy Chase and Dana Wheeler Nicholson walking on this deserted beach and the skies are gray. Oh. And, and Dana Wheeler Nicholson was saying like, yeah, it was like rainy every day and we had to like stay around the hotel in case the weather cleared up so we could shoot on a moment's notice. And then finally on like, I think they said like the sixth day, the studio was like, what the hell are you doing down there? We're not getting any production reports. Shoot something and come the F back. So they just shot Chevy Chase and Dana Wheeler Nicholson walking on a beach. And I guess you can tell from the background it's Rio, but honestly, they could have just done a stock insert shot of Rio and then just shot them on a beach in L.A. And nobody would have told the difference. I almost respect so, um, that hustle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just amazed that they did. And they said, the, you know, oh, yeah, well, I mean, we still enjoyed being in Rio quite a bit, even though it was rainy. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I I mean, part of me kind of hates that, but part of me kind of likes that. Because like, if, if I was directing a film and I can finagle a free vacation out of the studio, I, I totally would. Yeah. I mean, free trip to Rio, that's not too bad of a deal, but I'm just, yeah. they're saying like they, because re- like watching the movie, it didn't occur to me at all that they were actually in Rio. I was just me like, neither. oh, that's a finishing shot. And then they, they shot on a beach in LA the way you would do it. And didn't you say the budget was like 8 million or something like that? I mean, yeah, yeah. Where are you getting the money to go to Rio? I don't get that. <sighs> it's, it's unbelievable to me that they actually shot that bit in Rio. Because it is, it is so unnecessary. It really, it, it adds nothing. To the f- it adds, I mean, it, we're talking like a five-minute scene, if that. I mean, it's probably like two minutes. Yeah, but I, hey, if you can, if you can make it happen, God, God love you. But it was totally unnecessary. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how unnecessary it is. It's. It is not. Yeah. I mean, there was like a few unnecessary things. Like I thought, well, there was, you know, uh, back to the the uh, realtor mm-hmm. in Provo. Like, uh, so basically on yeah. one of the trips to, um, one of Fletcher's trips to Utah, he breaks into the realtor's office to find the paperwork yeah. and take pictures showing that, yeah. you know, the whole thing was a fraud. But then they had this whole scene where there's like a security guard dog outside yeah. that Fletch had to like climb a tree and get around. Yeah. And as, um. Fletch is in the office taking pictures and stuff. The, security, the the guard dog is barking. And at one point, the guard dog is so angry and barking at him, he uh, he, he launches himself through the window of the, yeah. of the office and chases Fletch. I was like... I don't know I, how you train a dog to do that. I don't know how you train a dog to go through a window for you. Um, that yeah. also kind of defeats the purpose of guarding the building because now like the building's easier to break into because your dog just dove through a window yeah this this <laughs> dog that you have on like some super soldier serum or whatever the fuck that can apparently yeah. just... i don't know they had to have faked that shot i mean i don't think you'd send a real dog even through like breakaway glass i don't know how you train a dog to even do that for fake um yeah I, I gotta look and see if there's that no dogs were harmed in the making of this film thing at the end of this yeah film. I'm, I'm very curious about that now too um <laughs> oof but yeah um, but i mean that seems like another thing that they just threw in there because like oh no we gotta yeah. keep this action paced we gotta we gotta keep this you know lively can't just be you know people chitter chattering away we gotta have some dog chasing and stuff but it's just I, god that seems unnecessary yeah yeah, but I also I yeah. I did get a kick out of seeing um 
like as you said, like uh, like uh, there was that one point where when Fletch gets back home to his apartment, the cops bust in and like arrest him, and they're like they're like you know roughing him up a bit. And like I got a kick get out of it because uh, one of the cops I noticed was uh, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Mr. James Avery. I was like, oh, oh really? I, you know, yeah, he yeah. looked kind of familiar. I couldn't quite place him. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. He's a he's he's a he's thinner, but it's definitely him. Uh, James Avery, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and of course uh, the voice of Shredder from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, there there's some other cool character actors who pop up in this. I mean, uh, M Emmett Walsh uh, is uh, Doctor Dolan. Uh, he pops up in it. Um, Richard Libertini plays Frank Walker, uh, Fletch's editor. Uh, yes, yeah. Kenneth oh, that's where he was. Yeah. Uh, um. Ooh, who who am I forgetting? There, there's um, uh, George Weiner, who's like this great character actor. He's he's like the ex-wife's lawyer in the trench coat. Yes, Colonel uh, Sanders from uh, Spaceballs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He also pops up in uh, not another teen movie and other. He's been in a million things. Um, he, he's he, it's funny. He's in the uh, he's in the behind the scenes feature. Like they couldn't, they couldn't talk to most of the big, big people. Like for some reason, they couldn't get Chevy Chase to talk about the movie. Um, so we've we've got Dana Wheeler, Nicholson, Richard Libertini, Tim Matheson, um, M. Emmett Walsh, who was still with us then, and George Weiner, who he's like, yeah, I think I did literally half a day on Fletch. He was like, I was hoping to like extend my scene so I could get lunch, you know, because that's <laughs> that's your dream as an actor is to get get a free meal. <laughs> But no, mm. I think I ate lunch at home that day. Oh, <laughs> you know, like they just seen so early. He's like, I was literally on the movie half a day, and I'm like, it's so nice of him to still come in for the behind the scenes featurette on the on the movie. No, absolutely, <laughs> literally half a day. But it's yeah, it's funny. No, I mean, it I, just it just reminds you that like you know, making movies is a job and, you know, you just, you just got to move along with the stuff. But I, I just thought that was funny. It was like, oh, I didn't get a free lunch. <laughs> That's a big memory. Yeah. I mean, I mean, crafts, I mean, catering could have made him a sandwich or some, a hoagie or something to take home. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd hope that the, uh, the craft services truck was, was there and that, yeah, you, uh, you could have gotten some to go. I wonder if they frown on that. <laughs> I get, I don't know. Do you think so? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. Anybody in craft services listening, let us know. Yeah, I'm very curious how that works now. But uh, I don't know. Did Did you like the movie overall? I thought it was just kind of okay. Um, overall, I did like it. I did. Again, it's. I did like it because I I I do like Chevy Chase. Like you know his quick talks and like his you know snide remarks and you know sort of his. Kind of, you know, way he thumbs his nose at authority. You know, I I do yeah. find charming. Like you know, like like um, uh, at one point when he passes out, as dressed as a doctor, and he sees like them doing some some autopsy, he faints, and he ends up in the records room. And then the nurse is like, "Oh yeah, you you fainted. You're in the records room. Can I get you anything?" And he says, "Oh yeah, could you, do you have the uh, the Beatles White Album?" Like I don't know, stuff like that makes me smile. Yeah. But um, I will admit, depending on how much. You like Chevy Chase? Will you know? It will uh, it, it'll kind of maybe it'll really depend on how it'll really factor in on how much you like this movie or not. Because, like I said, this is yeah. all Chevy Chase. 
it's all him making all the jokes. No one else really has any jokes. No one else has any yeah. real, I don't want to say personality, but everybody just kind of seems, everybody else in the film just to be, just seems to be kind of there for him to react off of. They're like, kind of like props for him to, to, to act at. And um, yeah. Yeah. And just so he could just sort of showcase his skills. But so if you like yeah. that, you'll like this movie. Yeah. I mean, for me, a little Chevy goes a long, long way. Um, so I can find him a little tough to take at feature mm. length, which I suppose is why we haven't covered too many Chevy J's movies on this podcast. Uh, yeah. You know, he, I mean, he, he can be a lot, you know, <laughs> he can be, he can be. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, about the optimal amount of Chevy Chase is, you know, what you get on for him and the average episode of Community. Um, yeah, you know, I like him in that. I like him in I like him in Community because, well, Community kind of knows that he can be an ass. <laughs> yeah, and also in Community, it's like they ha- all these other people or they have other people for him to bounce off of, and you know, you yeah. had uh, you had you know Jeff Winger and Troy Barnes and Abed, like the like he's he's more I don't want to say tolerable. But I think he's yeah. better when he has, you know, he has somebody to bounce off of, you know, like Three Amigos or uh, Spies Like Us. Yeah. Like, yeah. when it's just him bringing the funny, it's like, uh, it's a little too much. Like, um, you know, like, when we talked about National Lampoon's Vacation, like, when it was yeah. just him bringing the funny, it's, it's, it, it could be a little touch and go. Yeah, you want him to spread the wealth a little bit. And, yeah, there. Absolutely. I mean, you know... Other funny people in the. I mean, you know, George Went is is a funny guy. Tim Matheson, we know from Animal House, he can be a funny guy. I yeah, mean, not, they, nec- not necessarily that they're playing the funniest characters, but but yeah, I mean, there are other people in the movie who can be funny. Yeah, but um, they weren't given much to do though. That's the that's the only yeah. issue. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm kind of mixed on this movie at best. I I. I remember enjoying it when I saw it as, as a kid, I, I saw it when I was like 12. Cause you know, this, this, this was a SNL movie I could get in to see cause it was PG at the time. It's all the early days of the, the PG 13 rating. So they hadn't quite figured out what, what should be PG 13 and what should be PG yet. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all right. <laughs> I, th- I feel like the more of a Chevy Chase fan you are, the more you'll like this movie. Yeah, I would I would say that. I would say that. If you're if you're a fan of the chase, this is a this is for you. Not you so can do much. worse. Yes. Than absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh I mean we put out the word on, on the Twitters that we were doing this film. We had mm-hmm. we had a few tweets about this yeah, fine huh? film. What do the Twitter people have to say? Let's see. Uh let's see. Uh Manette Moratti says, I don't understand how this is a classic Chevy movie. When I watch it I completely zoned out on the plot, uh, except when uh, Chevy was playing undercover characters, and that did give me an occasional chuckle. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good assessment of the movie, Manette. I, yeah. I don't think your radar is really off. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember, like, I mean, I saw this for the first time years ago, you know, when, when, I, yeah. when I wore a younger man's clothes. And, like, mm-hmm. I do remember... Uh, you could give that his clothes back, by the way. I, well, he knows where to find me. But, okay. I, right. but yeah, like I do remember, you know, it's it's funny when he dresses up as costumes and goofs on people yeah. and says the Snyder remarks. But well, like the actual plot 
of him actually solving the mystery, like the serious stuff, like yeah. it kind of went over my head and it was kind of hard to follow at some points. So I was like, all right, so he's all right. So the, the, the land in Provo is fake. And this is like, I don't know. I, I kind of, I did kind of zone out a little bit, but like, like after rewatching it yesterday for this podcast, I was able to follow it a little bit more. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting. Cause I mean, I found the plot of the book much more interesting. So I kind of hope that this, the new John Hamm version of Confess Fletch is successful so that I, I'd like to see more straight adaptations of some of the other books in the series because I think you could get good movies out of them, uh, particularly the second book. The second book was Confess Fletch is definitely my favorite of the ones I've read so far. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do that. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. We got another comment too. Uh, uh, Carmel uh, Pretz says, uh, is agreeing with Manette, says, me too. I saw this movie on a third date and he chose to show me this movie, which I remember nothing about. There were no more dates. <laughs> and then says in parentheses, we remain friendly. Oh boy. It's always, it, yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always a roll of the dice when you want, you're just dating somebody and you want to show them like a movie that means a lot to you. Yeah. And like, if depending on, their reaction it could could be like you know you could soar to new heart to new heights in your relationship or the, the thing can yeah just crash and burn in front of your eyes that's yeah that's a tough thing and you you gotta you gotta roll those movies out very carefully especially if it's a if it's a movie that you know is one of your movies one of one of those movies that are like you know oh if she doesn't dig this movie i'm not into her um, yeah like i remember it sounds like this guy badly you know especially for yeah. a third date movie I, I don't I don't see showing somebody Fletch on a third date and closing the deal, you know? Yeah, no. Like, that's when you... No, like, something like Fletch, you don't... I would say you kind of... Maybe after you've been dating, like, a month or two, that's when you'd be like, all right, this is this is who I really am. I like Fletch. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd say, like, two or three months, maybe. Ooh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think... I'm trying to remember, like, when I showed movies to my now wife like we were dating yeah like, i remember i mean i mean one of my well, favorite movies is... well so <laughs> yeah it went well like it I... didn't choose so horribly that it it torpedoed the relationship like it did here i mean i just i i don't know i don't see fletch being like uh it seems like more of a guy's movie than anything to me right no yeah absolutely like i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't subject any date to fletch at all yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah i mean i remember like, you know, when my wife and I were going out, like, I showed her... One of my favorite movies is uh, Swingers. I love Swingers. And, like, I showed it, And she liked it. Yeah. So okay. I was like, all right. Yeah, Swingers so good. Yeah, but then yeah. I also remember, like, showing her uh, Fight Club, which is another movie I liked in that. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. That was... Uh, that was a I remember rough. when I first saw Fight Club, I saw it with, like, a group of people, and I ended up getting into a big debate with uh, somebody else in the group after that. And, yeah. Yeah, that's not a... Fight Club is not a good date movie. <laughs> Oh no, no, do not. Yeah, I'm glad you survived that one. Um, Oof. We're still here. Yeah, yay. <laughs> yay. But yeah, Fight Club, it's uh, it's a lot for some people. It's, ooh. Yeah. It's a lot. But, but I love it. I, lo I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as big into the Fight Club uh, cult as, as most people, I suppose. But, but yeah, I, th I think it's a good movie. It's, it's yeah, not one yeah. I'd break out of. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like it, but yeah, I, I know it's weird now because, like, if you say you like Fight Club, people think you're 
you know, maybe like a, a MAGA, MAGA Snyder bro or something like that. Yeah. Like I, like I like Fight Club, but at the same time, I, it's not, it's not like my Bible. Like, uh, like I don't, I don't take its teachings to heart or anything like that. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, I think that speaks well of you that you did not start up your own Fight Club because I think if you yeah. see the movie Fight Club and you want to start a Fight Club after that, <laughs> you've kind of missed the point of Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, exactly. If you watch Fight Club and you're like, I should do that. I should move into an abandoned house at the at the end of town and start my own yeah. militia. That's because the movie does not go out of its way to make that seem appealing. I mean, just the the house alone. It's yeah, it really does. It's really weird how some people just watch something like that or Joker or Breaking Bad and or just like just take away the totally opposite message from what the the person who created that was intending. It's bonkers. You totally missed that point. No, Walter yeah. White was a total badass, and everything he did was correct. Yeah, exactly. Skyler's just a nag, you know, just oh. like, oh, you know, stop cooking meth. I mean, what a buzzkill. <laughs> I'm doing it for my family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Drug dealers and stuff. Come on. Oh, cramping his style. Yeah. So, yeah, Fletch. I don't know. Um, I suppose at some point we'll we'll tackle Fletch Lives, but I'm in I'm in no rush to to see it. Me neither. Me neither. Well, you know, we'll, we'll cross I've that bridge when we nine without seeing Fletch Lives. So I I feel like I could go another I could go another decade or two without seeing it. Absolutely. I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Like uh, I mean, actually, Fletch yeah. I thought was kind of difficult to find. Like when we, I mean, we rented it. I rented it from the library, but I didn't really see it streaming. Yeah. So I can only imagine how difficult Fletch Lives would be hard to track down. Well, I mean, if if you do like I did, I mean, I, I was able to get, you know, both Fletch movies packaged together. So I could have easily watched Fletch Lives if I were so oh. inclined. I was like, no, you got you to gotta space out the Chevy Chase. Space I mean, out the is, Chase. If, if you take one lesson away from this podcast, that is my lesson, is yes. space out your Chevy Chase content, for God's sakes. Space out the chase. Space out the chase. I mean, yes. you know, you, you you can't you can't have too much chase at one time because yeah. it's you'll OD. Yeah, you'll OD. Yeah, no, it's you, right. you don't want that. You'll be you on the want, floor. That's, that's horrible way to go out. Yeah, you'll be on the floor frothing at the mouth, just uh, make making references to uh, the man who knew too little. No, it's Billy Mur- Bill Murray. Ah, that's that's Bill Murray. Yeah. Ah, ruined the joke. Yeah. Do you want to give it another shot? We could edit this out. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. You're just going to lie there and. Yes. Yes. That's it's okay. the only way I'll learn, right. John. Okay. Okay. I want to give you a shot. Uh, you know, I'm tough, but fair, but no. well, um, yeah. So Fletch, I mean, see it or don't. I guess I don't know. I, I think you're better off getting the book from the library, honestly. Yeah, give a hoot. Check read out the a book. book. People don't people don't read enough. Yes, you know, the written read, word. Read the first novel and then go move on to the second novel, and then you're all set for uh, the John Hamm confess Fletch movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what they do with that. That'll that'll be interesting. I don't think yeah, it's covered because think... I don't have anybody from SNL on it, but yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll give it a look-see. Yep. Yep. 
Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's our episode, guys. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for uh, supporting our little podcast and la di da. As always, you can listen to us wherever uh, you know, maybe platform where you can, where podcast or streaming. Uh, you can mm-hmm. give us some money to our Patreon at non dash productive dot com. Follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D A R I N Credible. And you can follow me on both of those places at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And, uh, yeah, follow the show page at SNL Nerds Show. So uh, what are we doing next week, Darren? What's going on? What are we doing? We've decided on something, right? We did. We did. We did. Okay. So, folks, if you're you don't remember? No, I remember. I'm I'm just, you know, building suspense. Gotcha. Teeing me up. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, folks, if you're a, a dedicated listener to this podcast, you'll remember uh, a few years back we did uh, Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Then mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later, we did Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. And yes. uh, I'm sure a lot of you have been wondering and waiting, when are they going to complete the trifecta? When are they gonna, going to do that third movie? A lot of you have been wait, you know, yeah. waiting with bated breath, just sleepless think- nights. Yeah, I when, think what the thing was, I think the plan was we were going to do it around when the new James Bond movie was going to come out. And oh, then right. the new Bond movie, No Time to Die, it was delayed like two years because of the pandemic. Right, And when yes. it finally came out, I, I think it came out at a time, it came out late last year sometime. And so I think we were in the middle of new episodes of SNL, so it didn't really work out timing-wise. So right. that's why it took us so long. But yet now we are finally doing... Austin Powers in gold member. That's right. It's happening, people. Austin Powers yep. in gold member. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike Myers, Beyonce. Uh, mm-hmm. Numerous cameos. Uh, Fat Bastard. Yeah. And yes. uh, and the like. It's God all evil. here. Um, oh, Michael Caine, yeah. too, right? Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Michael Caine playing uh, Austin Powers' father, Nigel Powers. Um, yeah, having a bit of fun there. Yeah, it's always nice to see Michael Caine. Yeah. I don't think we've done a movie with Michael Caine before. I think I would remember that. Um, I don't believe we have. Michael I think Caine. Rob Lowe pops up again. Um, there are uh, other yes. cameos. Seth Green. Yeah. Uh, Seth Green. Uh, oh, there was, that Tom, there was that Tom Cruise cameo, if I'm not mistaken, right? There's Tom Cruise cameo in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nathan Lane's in it for a bit. Yeah. I don't remember Nathan Lane. Um, is Fred Savage in this one, or is that the last one? I can't remember. They all sort of blend together at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll, well, we'll find we'll out. Find on, out. That's right. On the next episode. How about that? Hot mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a long time since I watched any of the Austin Powers movies, so it'll be kind of fun. Yeah. Do they hold up, or are they, um, you know, uh, the level of bad as Mike Myers... Uh, most recent uh, Netflix show that I can't remember right now. The Pentaveret. Yeah, I haven't watched that. Have you? No, I have not. But I hear it's uh, I hear it's uh, not his finest hour. Yeah, well, okay. What you gonna do? Uh, yeah. Eh, what you gonna do? 
All right. So anyway, next week, uh, Austin Powers in Goldmember. So, yeah. Join us for that, won't you? Won't you? See it again for the first time. Right. Feels like the first time. All right. So that's what we're going to do next week. Uh, Austin Powers in Goldmember. But until then, nerds Nerds out. out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.